Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. Yippee Skippy! We are back together today. I'm going to start out with my latest happenings, and there's a couple things. One is I have been on a book buying binge like you would not believe. If only I could read as fast as I can buy books. So the book that I bought, and I, as soon as it landed on my doorstep, I sat down and read the book. It is Cal Newport's latest book, Digital Minimalism. I love, love, love it. Highly recommend it. No, I haven't finished it, but I do love it. And it was so funny. I told my husband, I said, you know, Pete, you're cutting edge because my husband, this is 2019, still does not own a cell phone. And it's his life goal not to own one. And this book gives him so much great evidence about why that would be a smart thing to do. So I love it. And it's crazy to think that it was 2007 that the iPhone came out and that was 12 years ago and how addicted we are to these electronic devices and what goes on. And, you know, I know I will not leave the house without my mobile phone. How about you? Anyways, I'm starting to think about stuff. How do I show up with it? And I do have some good boundaries around my technology. Like for us, we don't bring technology to the dinner table. I have to work on looking at Facebook posts, especially political people's. Some friends that make political posts at night because I can get a little wired and argumentative in my head. But, you know, in in the thing I practiced some years ago that I started was I don't go to my phone first thing in the morning. So those have been some great boundaries. And reading this book, I'm going to think more about how do I want to use this technology? My husband's simple answer is, don't use it. And then he doesn't have to worry about it. And and part of it is, I remember him saying to me years ago when I was really frustrated that I couldn't text him or get a hold of him. He said, look, I understand my own weaknesses. And for him to have a cell phone, it would require too much brain juice to use for discipline. So it's for him way better to not have it. And it's just fascinating for me to watch people and how they have their phones and how they're letting it operate in their lives and in their professional lives. So I love the book, totally invite you to go and read it, check it out from your library, grab a copy of it. Great book, Cal Newport stuff. I just love his stuff. So I love it. The next is, and we've been on a bit of a break from this, but Hassan Minaj, have you watched his shows on Netflix? He has one called, I think, Homecoming King, which was actually filmed in Davis, California. He's from Davis, California, and it was filmed out on campus at our Mandavi Center. And that was fun and great. And now he has the show, he's had it since the fall, I think, called Patriot Act. And our family loves to watch it. They're these short 30 minutes and it's awesome. And he will say that he's talking to four people at the same time. So he did a show last night. I've always been aware of this for a really long time, but really there were things, insights that I didn't even realize that were even further disturbing. And it was about the student loan debt. I've, I've known for some time that student loan debt's really high and, and the access to student loan debt. I didn't realize some of the other details that he mentioned last night. So if you want to watch a smart show with a comedian, 
highly, highly recommend Hassan Minaj and his Patrick at love, love, love his show. It is fantastic. And it's great because there are things that he will say. He does really talk to four different people because, you know, we have quite a bit of an age difference with my kids and then my husband and I, and there are things that he'll say that we have no idea what he's talking about. It goes way over our heads and our kids look at us like, of course, you know what that is. Like, that's just common sense. And then there are things that he says that we totally understand that our kids have no idea about. So it's awesome to have this, you know, different generations coming together in a room, being able to listen to this and then have conversations about it afterwards. And then choices that like our family makes and our values. So those are my two favorite things and the latest happenings. And today I'm going to be talking about burnout. And I'm not a big fan of this word. (laughs) It gets presented to me quite often, especially amongst my monster parents, the aqua monsters. Parents have a lot of fear and they come up to me often and they say, well, you know, I, I don't want my kid to be burned out. And these aren't like our high school kids necessarily. These are seven, six, five year olds, maybe the 10 year olds. These are the young kids' parents. And I look at them and I'm like, it's not even possible in our program because if you're five, six or seven, we don't even let you swim throughout the whole year. We make them take a break and we encourage them to go do other activities. And so in our program, I look at them, I go, it's not even possible. The other thing about burnout is that they're really driven from stories of fear. So they're the stories of what we've heard in the past. So there was once a time the way we did swimming was that it was a pounding sport and it was kind of the Darwinism, you know, who can we beat down so that we can see who can survive and is still standing. Swimming's way more sophisticated now. We don't need to do it that way. And our coaching's much smarter and the training's much smarter. So the burnout, the stories that we've heard of people, you know, in the past is much different. Now, here's the thing. You may be going, oh my God, no, current. We are part of this program. I get it. And it all depends on the program and what's the leadership. And I am sure there are haters within my program. I know it. I'm not sure. I totally know it. Who will come that way and have stories of maybe how horrible I am or how horrible the program is. And I get that part. The thing is, is that there can be great programs and there can be programs that use a lot of shame and fear and a lot of judgment to try to ignite people. And there can be programs that do a lot of overtraining. We're not a program that does overtraining. So I still have parents that will be upset that we have morning practices, you know, for high school kids. That's just part of our sport. And we only have two you know? And so when I think about a lot of other programs in the country, they'll have four mornings a week or three mornings a week. So we have two mornings, but the stories are driven from fear and they're from the past. And so paying attention to that. The other things that these stories are often driven from is this idea, this question of, am I being a bad parent? Now, my friend, that is like one of the worst, if not the worst question you can ask yourself. Because when you ask your brain, am I being a bad parent? Your brain immediately goes to solve that problem, to to answer that problem. And it looks for evidence of here's how you're being a bad parent. We've all had moments that we're not proud of. We've all said stuff, done stuff that are not our best selves. So asking ourselves, am I being a bad parent is the worst question to ask. Instead, we can say, are we living within our values? Does this sport align with our values? Does this team align with our values? You know, is my child burned out or 
and this is often the case that I see, especially with the teenagers, has my child stopped believing in themselves? So in 2019, I don't believe in burnout in the sport of swimming. I believe what happens is that the kid has lost belief in themselves. They become hopeless. And so then it's easy to say, oh, I'm just burned out or, you know, I'm tired of sacrificing. And what happened is, is that there are obstacles and there are times that we don't go the times that we want. We don't get earn the time standards that we want. And then we start to beat ourselves up. And then we say, we don't believe it's possible for ourselves. And that's where I see a lot of kids quit and give up on themselves. And the attribute will be the coach was horrible, or I'm burned out, or I've sacrificed too much of my life. Like if you believe that you're sacrificing, that's going to lead to burnout versus if you believe that this is what I'm choosing to do. And with that, there was a, I don't know, four or five years ago, I was indulging in my own drama because my days are pretty long. I, you know, I get up and I'm working and I'll I'll work out and I'm working with my clients or I'm doing my show or I'm writing. And then so I'm coaching all day. And then I go off and I'm doing the aqua monsters at night. And I was having a bit of a pity party of these long 12, sometimes 14 hour days. And I was like, oh, poor me. My life is so hard indulging in this drama. And I was just watching my brain and I wasn't feeling any better. You guys like complaining about it didn't feel better. I felt worse. That's where the indulging part comes. And then one day I'm like, okay, Corinne, so what are you going to do about it? You can quit. What are you going to quit? Do you want to give up the Aqua Monsters? Do you want to give up your radio show? Do you want to give up coaching your clients? What do you want to give up? You can do it. Do you want to quit it all? There have been times I've wanted to quit it all. Again, indulging in the drama. And that had more to do with I was just afraid about showing up and doing some speaking gigs that I had. And anyways, I said, okay, well, you can quit. I gave myself that permission. And I thought about it. I was like, well, I love my clients. I love the work. I love my podcast. I love that I have this free opportunity for people where they can get coaching without having to hire me, right? I get so many emails and messages and iTunes reviews where they're saying, thank you so much. This has been inspiring and motivating. So, okay, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to quit that. And, and I'm also quite proud of the fact that I've been doing this since 2006. It's part of my whole perseverance value. And so then, okay, well, I can leave the Aqua Monsters. I'm like, okay, yeah, that would make my life a lot simpler. But then I love the kids and I love leading the team and I love, I love it. And there are times that I hate it. (laughs) It's got all the colors. It has all the range of emotions. And in my 14 years of leading the team, I've learned a lot and I've grown and who I've, it's been part of who I've become, you know, who I've become as a leader has been part of what I've learned by running the monsters. So I'm like, no, I don't want to give up that. I'm like, okay, so what are you going to do? Are you going to sit here and have a pity party in your bed, you know, and not want to get up in the morning? What are you going to do? And I, I thought about it and I'm like, well, I'm not willing to quit this. I'm not willing to quit that. Oh, I choose this. And so every time when my brain wanted to go to, oh, you poor Corinne, you're making such a sacrifice. This is so hard. People don't appreciate you on and on and on. I'd remind myself, Corinne, this is a choice. You choose all of this. And that shift, instead of indulging in the mental drama, this shouldn't be happening. You know, this isn't fair. Poor me. Instead of indulging in that by shifting to, I choose this. I choose all of this. And there are great parts and there are difficult parts. And that's okay. And I choose this. That shift allowed me to really enjoy what I was doing and also understand that there are difficulties and that's part of the process. So 
understanding that is what allows me to have the capacity to do all that I do. Often people say to me, you know, the name of the show has always been, how does she really do it? And there are, people often ask me, Corinne, how do you really do it? Because I've always had a lot on my plate. And I'm not saying you need to be me. This is just me and my own capacity and my own utilization. So this is what I do. And again, I choose this and you may want to choose differently. And that is totally fine because you have to live aligned with your values and with your priorities. And so these are the things that work for me. Now, this week, one of my clients was talking about burnout for herself, right? Because she's in a high level position in a company and this company is just kicking butt. They are growing at a really fast rate. They're increasing revenue and they've gotten a lot of private equity. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that's going on and she loves her work. And she said to me, my favorite word, right? Joking. She's afraid of burning out. And then how does she do it all? Raising her kid, you know, doing the work, maintaining her relationships with people, taking care of herself as she thrives in this workplace that she loves, but it's also a lot. So here's the thing, and this is really important. So I'm inviting you to listen carefully. If you've been like kind of zoning out, like I can do, come on back now because burnout is not from overworking. Burnout is not from doing work you love. Burnout is not from long days. We're all going to have long days. Burnout is not even from difficult employees or bosses. Say what? I know. You're like, Karen, no, no. Let me explain to you. I need to leave my job because this is ridiculous. They're horrible. Burnout is not even from difficult employees or bosses. We all have those. We love to do the work that we do. We have long days. And there's difficult people that we interact with. Here's the thing, my friend, write this down. Burnout is from the relentless pursuit of perfection and the drama in our minds as we don't live up to this unrealistic expectation of perfection. Think about this. So the relentless pursuit of perfection We are just trying to do things perfectly, hire the right person, make sure that you're healthy, make sure that your family is all taken care of. Like one of the things back in 2005, when I was really struggling before I started the show was I was really trying to make life balance, right? I was the head coach of not one, but three teams in the college. I also taught, I did extra work and I had four kids. It was a blended family. And my husband had a demanding job, him being a coach. And I was like, I have to just do it perfectly. I have to, everything has to be perfect. And it's that relentless pursuit of perfection is what drives burnout. It's this idea that if I am perfect, I'll be safe. If I'm perfect, I'm going to finally be accepted by my colleagues. If I am perfect, other people will value me. If I am perfect, my kids will be fine and they'll be safe and they'll grow up and be these thriving human beings. So what is your rule about being perfect? If you are perfect, then what? What's the promise that you are striving for? You are hustling for actually. What is it? Pay attention to that. And this relentless pursuit of perfection, which then is not ever possible to achieve because like, think about that life balance. Like I always would think about life balance and go, and this is why I don't believe in life balance is that balance. I think about a teeter totter and I love to do a teeter totter when I was a kid, but think about it. One person pushes 
and you go, the other side goes up and then the other side goes up and the other side goes down. And there's only a split second where the teeter totter is in balance. So there's only a split second we're in balance, but we're constantly striving for that. Oftentimes raising my four kids or doing work or leading businesses, I've had balls in the air and it was about knowing which ones could not drop because they would break and which ones could fall and they would be okay. Cause my friend, that is the reality, right? Especially when you're an overachiever and you put a lot on your plate and you like to do a lot. So this relentless pursuit of perfection, it creates a lot of drama in our minds because our brain starts to go, oh, see, you're just not living up to yourself. You just can't get it all done, man. If you could only get it all in balance, then you would be happy. If you all had it totally figured out, then it'd be happy because then your daughter wouldn't want time with you. Then your husband would be totally satisfied. Then your best friend would, would, you know, come over whatever the rules are that are in your head. Then you can get your promotion, right? This perfectionism, my friend, we must stop the perfection. We must, because here's the thing. And this is the fantastic news that Brene Brown gave us in her research. Perfection is the birthplace of shame. Shame is that voice of you're not enough. You are bad. Who do you think you are? Can also be the voice of you're too much, that other pendulum swing, but you're not enough. Like we struggle with not being enough constantly day in and day out, and we need to stop it. So perfection is the birthplace to shame and this relentless pursuit of perfection equals burnout. Okay. So what happens is something will be happening at work. This happens all day long with my clients. This used to happen with myself. It's like, oh, this shouldn't be happening. It's all my fault. That's the drama I'm talking about. When we argue with reality or we take it on and say, oh, it's because of me, that employee didn't work out in our company and it's my fault because I didn't see it coming, right? Where we take on more blame than is necessarily ours. So Byron Katie has this great quote that I love and I use all the time. And she says, when I argue with reality, I lose, but only 100% of the time. I'm going to say that again to you. When I argue with reality, I lose, but only 100% of the time. My friend, it's time to stop arguing with reality. Instead, accept it. So one of the things you can say is, of course, there's going to be employee problems. You may not like it, but of course there's going to be employee problems. I tell myself that all the time. My, when something happens and it interrupts my damn, like this shouldn't be happening. Of course this is happening. I'm a leader. This is going to happen. The problems come to me, right? Of course this is happening is one of my favorite go-to sayings. Of course, when I'm trying to do deep work, I'm getting all sorts of interruptions. Isn't that fascinating how that works? Of course, this deal is going awry. Of course, the delivery came 10 minutes before they said it would, and I missed it. So if we argue with that, think any of those things shouldn't have happened. How dare they come 10 minutes early? They said they would come at this time. How dare they do that? It creates extra pain and suffering. But when you can accept it and go, oh, 
of course this is happening. That's when you can create some space and your brain can start being resourceful and figure things out. Because when you argue with reality, what happens is that you start to trigger either fear or shame. And either of those feeling states aren't going to help you overcome this problem. So when you're in a place of fear, our bodies are programmed to either fight it, flee from it, or freeze. So any of those situations not going to help. And I'm a big fleer. I like to like, oh my gosh, this happened. I'm out. Goodbye. Gone. That doesn't help overcome, right? Shame, the voice of I am bad, is what we try to do to disconnect from that feeling state is we hide away, we numb, we approve a whore, let me like please you and sell myself out. Or we gladiate, right? We puff up. You're going to try to take me down. Let me show you. And typically when we're in these kinds of situations, we may gladiate onto others people and then make the problem worse. Or what often happens, especially with my clients, is they intergladiate. They just beat the crap out of themselves. See, it's all your fault. You can't figure it out. There's not enough hours. The only answer is you must quit your job. It's not possible for you. Da, 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 da. Sound familiar? That's why we need to accept it and go just like I did. Okay. What do I want to give up? Nothing. What do I want to quit? Nothing. This is my day. They're long. And I started to accept it. And I realized I choose all of this. And in choosing that, how am I going to maintain? Where am I going to be focused on? So by not focusing on how many hours I work in a day, because that could be very draining. I focus on what I'm doing, the work I'm doing, the significance I'm making, the connections I'm making, why it's so important to me. And when those hard days come, I'm like, oh, of course this is happening. Of course they sent me an email and the answer was in the email that I sent. Of course, that's part of it. So instead of creating extra pain, I'm just allowing myself to feel the pain and then move through it and not argue with it. Because when we argue with it, you're creating more pain for yourself. I could have done that this morning. I got an, an, I got a question that was in the email I had sent out. You just had to actually look for it. And I just went through and I copied it and I pasted it. I said, here's the information. Thank you so much. Done, right? The cost to me was so much less. So I invite you, I want you to test this out for yourself. This is your time. Go and live this, right? Stop arguing with reality. Of course, this is happening. Use that, steal it. If you don't like it, be resourceful for the tweaks that you can make. If you don't like it, what are some small steps you can make to start your journey to change? Focus on where you're going instead of where you don't want to be. Focus on where you're going. I watch this happen over and over and I have to maintain that boundary with myself. Like, oh, Corinne, am I indulging or am I focusing on going forward? Where do I want to live? Do I want to live in the swampland of shame? That place sucks. Or do I want to go and create something better? Do I want to go enjoy this time that may have? Let go of perfection. There's no such thing. We don't want it. We want you to be you. And it takes so much less energy for you to be you than for you to be who you think you're supposed to be. The other day, my husband and I went out to go visit one of our alums who owns a couple of swim schools and they've got the successful business going on. And it's for those of you that live in either El Dorado Hills or Roseville, it's the Steve Wallen swim school and they do a fantastic job up there. And I loved it. And the dad, he's been doing this for probably like, I don't know, 30, 40 years. And my husband noticed he's not wearing any shoes. He's wearing socks and he likes to walk around. So Pete asked Wally and said, you know, why is he wearing socks? And he goes, 
he likes to be barefoot, but in the winter time or right now, it's just a bit too cold. So he wears the socks. And so for the birthdays and holidays, he, that's what he wants. He likes to wear socks. And, and I said, but what happens? Because <laughs> the logical person in me is like, but they can get wet on a pool deck. Why would you wear them and get wet? And he's like, he either lets them dry or he takes them off and he puts on another pair and eventually they get holes. But that's his thing. That's like his shtick. And I was like, how cool is that? That he can run this business and he likes to wear socks. He is being himself. He is living his value and he has built his dream. And he has this whole community that he has cultivated over the last 30 to 40 years of people who just love him. And he is who he is. So my friend, here's somebody who's successful, who wears socks on the pool deck. It does not make sense. But that's what he does. If he can be himself and be successful, that can be possible for you. Be you right? That's what's important. And when I say be you, I'm not saying like, it's not unethical to wear socks on the pool deck. He's just going to go through some extra socks and that's okay. And he's okay with it. Now, if that were in my house, I might be upset that there's so many extra socks to wash, but I guess I'd have to get over that if that's my biggest problem, right? You never know. So be you, you don't have to be perfect. Being perfect takes so much energy because you're trying to remember who it is you're supposed to be instead of you being you. And the other thing that's really, really important, and I've talked about it a lot in the podcast this year, is that success is built on a pile of failures. And yes, I know none of us want to fail. We want it to be productive and efficient. And we want to do things perfectly because we want to be successful so we can say, yay me, and then move on and not have any problems and live in the promised glory land, right? (laughs) That doesn't happen that way. And that's only going to create you more pain. So realizing that success is built on a pile of failures. So you're going to fail. And then the thing is, is get back up. I've been talking years that we have fallen down moments. We get back up and then we reflect. What can I learn from this? What's the lesson in this? Those are great questions instead of, well, what's wrong with me? Because your brain's immediately going to go and tell you what's wrong with you. But what can I learn from this? And then you take steps forward again and focusing on where it is that you want to go. And you continue to repeat that and repeat that. So it's not a matter of if you will fail because you will, my friend, it's what will you do when you fail and what do you make it mean about you? And that's that mental drama that I was talking about. Letting go of perfection, that relentless pursuit of perfection will then allow you to reduce the drama that's in your brain because that costs us so much time and energy to be with ourselves like that. Hence the reason why it's so important for us to become our own best friends. Because when we're our own best friends and we talk to ourselves the way we would talk to our best friend or somebody you love, you know, somebody that you are kind to, how will you show up differently in your life? So I invite you, let go of the fear of burnout. Let it go. Because burnout is the relentless pursuit of perfection and the drama that goes on in our minds let go of it. Do what you love. There's always got to be boundaries. Just like I was talking about at the beginning of the show with digital devices, there's got to be boundaries around it. Otherwise it's all consuming. And to live this life you really, really want must be compassionate towards yourself. That is key. It's fundamental. And you must love yourself because that my friend is why we're here to love ourselves so that we can give more love to others. Really. And then from that place, you can be you, you allow yourself to be you. Not everybody's going to like you and don't worry. You're not alone because 
Not everybody likes me. I have plenty of people. Remember, I have that awesome mug that's the most hated and most loved. I have people that love, love, love me. And I have people that cannot stand me. And that is okay. Be you. It's less likely you're going to lead to burnout by being you. Burnout doesn't have to be your option. You can do work that you love. You can have hard days. You can work long hours. Not that I'm saying that you want to do that all the time because I think boundaries are really important, but this is the real life. There are problems that happen. So you can have a life that you love, do work that you love and not have burnout by letting go of this relentless pursuit of perfection so that you don't have to indulge in the trauma in your brain. Until next time, my friend, I'm smiling big for you. My friend, you know that your voice matters. It matters to me. And so we're going to do two things here. We're going to one practice on your voice mattering and you owning your voice. And the other is preserving your brain juice. So the first thing I want you to go do is share your voice, leave a review of the show on iTunes. Tell me what you love. Tell me why you're here. Your voice matters. And the second thing, if you haven't done it already, preserve your brain juice by making sure you hit the subscribe button and you're subscribed to the show. I'm smiling big for you. I can't wait to give you a shout out on the show in the future. Until next time. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wide awake.